All right, so today we come to Revelation chapter 9. So before we go into chapter 9, let's go back and um, read through chapter 8. Chapter 8 is a short study, so we will go back and read through that whole chapter. But just a reminder here, what we're studying, um, we're studying the book of Revelation, of course, the revelation of Jesus Christ that uh, Jesus himself told the Apostle John to write. In Revelation chapter 1, we saw where it said, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show to his servants things which must shortly take place. And he sent and he signified it by his angels to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, to all things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it for the time is near. We also saw where Jesus said, I am the Alpha and the Omega in chapter one, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches in Asia. So as we go through this book, again, I'm just reminding us all here that as we go through this book, we are studying everything that Jesus allowed for his apostle, the apostle John, to see. Now, as I read this, I say, do we have every single detail about the end times in our Bibles? No, we don't. Do we have every single detail about heaven in our Bibles? No, we do not. But our Bibles, you know, they don't, they don't even contain all the works that Jesus did in a three-year period of his earthly ministry. Our Bibles don't even contain all those works. Because John said in John 20, 25, he said that there are many things that Jesus did, which if they were written down one by one, he said, I suppose that even the world itself could not contain the books that would be written. So we're only getting a glimpse as we study our word. But the glimpse that we get is what God wants us to know. The little bit that he gives us is what he wants us to live by. And that's why it says there at the beginning of Revelation, what I just read to you in Revelation chapter 1, that blessed are those who hear these words of this prophecy, but also we have to keep the words of this prophecy. We have to live out what the word of God tells us. You see, it's easy to become students of the Bible, and then that's all we are. But really, God didn't give us his word to become students of the Bible. It's okay to be students. We have Bible college students here. It's great to be students because we're to study God's word, to show ourselves approved, right, rightly dividing the word of truth. But really, God gave us his word as guidelines on how we are to live. And the things that he is allowing us to see are as much as he wants us to know here in the book of Revelation. So again, if we can't handle all the details of everything that Jesus did in his very short three-year earthly ministry, we will not be able to handle all the information there is to know about the end times and about heaven either. So right now, we just have some bits and pieces that, that have been given to us to, to read and to understand. Today, we only know in part, and the part that we know, 
again, is what Jesus allowed for John to see, and he told him to write it down and to give it to the seven churches. And of course, we are beneficiaries of what Jesus told John to write. Today, we have our Bibles, and we are to live by these things as well. So again, Revelation chapter, I just wanted to kind of remind us of, of all of that. We're going to look at Revelation chapter 8, verse 1 right now, and I'm just going to read out, read on through it. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne." And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. The first angel sounded and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all the green grass was burned up. Then a second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood, and a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Then the third Angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood, and many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Then the fourth angel sounded, and a third of the sun was struck, a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of them were darkened. A third of the day did not shine, and likewise the night. And I looked, and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Woe, woe, woe to the inhabitants of the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Verse 1, chapter 9. Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star fallen from heaven to the earth. To him was given the key to the bottomless pit. Okay, so the fifth angel has now sounded his trumpet. This um, the seven trumpets are what we have been studying, right, for the past two weeks. Seven angels came before the throne, and they each had a trumpet. This happened at the opening of the seventh seal, right? The opening of the seals that we studied in past weeks is very similar with the events that are taking place at the sounding of these trumpets, the first four seals, for example, are and the first four trumpets presented judgments that were against the earth itself. Okay, so the first four seals we study and the first four trumpets so far were judgments against the earth itself, right? Um, the first four seals showed us the four horsemen that brought the Antichrist, the war, famine, and massive amounts of death on the earth. We saw that in the first four seals that we studied. In the first four trumpets that we've studied thus far, we've seen the destruction of grass and trees. The seas will be affected greatly. The rivers and fresh 
waters are severely tainted, and the sun and the moon was impacted as well at the opening or at the sounding of these first four trumpets. And with the fifth um, trumpet here, right, we see a star that had fallen to the earth. Now, in this verse, we see the word him, which can lead us to believe that this is a being of some sort, right? It could be Lucifer, that rebellious angel that fell to the earth. It could be another angel altogether that was sent to the earth for this job of opening the bottomless pit, right? But it, is ve- but it very clearly says that it was a star. And the Greek word that was used here in this writing very clearly means that it was a star, But again, with the symbolism used in this book thus far, it's just another example of even more symbolism. So this is somewhat of a mystery to us as to who this really is. Commentators and theologians have have speculated all kinds of things here with just this one verse. Is it Satan? Is it Lucifer? Is it a good angel? Is it a bad angel? Right? The truth is we don't really know who this is, but what we do know is what he is sent to the earth to do. And I believe that that's the point here, is what was he sent to the earth to do? And that is to open the bottomless pit. And we are indeed now talking about hell. Okay, And verse 2 says, And he opened the bottomless pit, and smoke arose arose out of the pit like the smoke of a great furnace. So the sun and the air were darkened because of the smoke of the pit. So hell burns exceedingly hot. John is being as dramatic as he possibly can be here so that we will get the point of the power of the pit of hell. And here is where we can apply the term at this point with the opening of the bottom, the bottomless pit that all hell is breaking loose on the earth. And what's going to come out of the pit of hell at this point in time? What's, what's going to come out of this pit? Well, verse 3 says, Then out of the smoke locusts came upon the earth, and to them was given power as the scorpions of the earth have power. Now again, what I want to point out to you here is is some symbolism, right? I do not believe that these are actual locusts here, and I'll tell you why toward the end of this study, but just keep that in mind. But sticking with the symbolism here that John is portraying for us, ordinarily locusts have no power to harm people, do they? Locusts can indeed harm crops and such, right? But not people directly. But something is different in in the way John is symbolically describing these locusts here. These locusts can harm people. They have the kind of power that scorpions have, right? And scorpions can harm people, can't they? Now imagine if scorpions could fly. (laughs) if scorpions could land on you. That would be horrible, wouldn't it? Well, but that's the torment that's being described here. 
at the opening of the bottomless pit. That's the torment upon the people of the earth that are left here during the great tribulation. And verse four says, they were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth or any green thing or any tree, but only those men who do not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, we saw in chapter eight where it said all the grass was burned up, didn't we? But the fact is though, so you might read this here. Let's read verse four again. They were commanded not to harm the grass of the earth, but we read in chapter eight that all the grass was burned up. But you know, burnt grass can indeed grow back over a period of time. So how long is the tribulation period? It's seven years. And we're not really given a time frame of these events that we're studying here in Revelation 8 and 9. We're not given a time frame as the period of time that exists between these events. So grass is back on the earth. And these locusts are commanded not to harm anything green. But what they are commanded to harm is anyone that does not have the seal of God on their foreheads. Now, at that point in time, how many people that are still on the earth during the tribulation, how many people are there on the earth that have the seal of God on their foreheads? Anybody know? There's 144,000 of them, right? We studied that in chapter 7. They were 144,000 Jews that were on the earth. The angels were commanded, hold back the, 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 the loosening of the seals. Everything was about to break loose. The angel held all that back. And, and the angel said, wait a minute, hold the destruction, hold back everything here. We've got to go seal these people for God. Who are they? 144,000 Jews, 12,000 people from each tribe. So they're on the earth during the tribulation, but they're sealed by God on their foreheads. So there's 144,000 of them. So these Jewish people will not be harmed by this, what these locusts are sent out to do, right? But everyone else will be harmed by this. And how will they be harmed? Verse five says, and they were not given authority to kill them. So these people aren't going to be killed by these locusts, right? But to torment them for five months. And their torment was like the torment of a scorpion when it strikes a man. So for five months, these people on the earth will be tormented in this way, okay? So five months of this destruction and tormenting going on in the lives of these people that are going through this great tribulation. And let me just remind you again that this is not what the Lord wants for any people, right? But judgment time is coming upon the earth. Man will be judged for ignoring their creator. But God, again, our creator, he wants us all to be saved from this great day of judgment. He's not willing that any would perish, right? The Lord Jesus told us that if we keep his commandments, that he will keep his church from this great tribulation. We saw that in Revelation chapter three. If we keep his commandments, he'll keep us 
from that. Again, I'll take you back to what I read earlier at the beginning of Revelation there, that blessed are those who keep the commandments found in this book, okay? So it's important that we understand, though, today the truth of the gospel. The gospel is the power of God unto salvation. And it's important that we who know the gospel share the gospel with others around us. Why? Because this day of judgment that we're studying about is coming. So what I want to do this morning is take a moment and go, ra- go back and read an all imp- what I believe to be an all-important chapter in our Bibles. I want you to turn for a moment to Acts chapter 2. Well, we'll be there longer than a moment, but Acts chapter 2. It was impressed upon me while studying this week that we take the time to read this entire chapter here. So follow along with me and you'll, you'll, you'll see the point of why I'm taking you here. But we're going to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. So these are, of course, believers in Jesus Christ that are all gathered together in one place. Verse 2. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So this is something strange and unusual taking place here. A sound comes out of heaven, described to be like a rushing mighty wind, and it fills this house where the followers of Jesus Christ are sitting. So these strange and unusual things that we see happening in Revelation are not really unlike the power of God. God can do all these kind of things as he does here in Acts chapter 2 as well. Then verse 3. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And when this sound occurred, the multitude came together and were confused because everyone heard them speak in his own language. Then they were all amazed and marveled, saying to one another, Look, are not all of these who speak Galileans? And how is it that we hear each one in our own language in which we were born? We're in Acts chapter 2, verse 9. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, those dwelling in Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, Ela, Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya adjoining Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them speaking in our own tongues the wonderful works of God. So they were all amazed and perplexed and saying to one another, whatever could this mean? Others mocking said, they are full of new wine, but Peter Standing up with the eleven, raised his voice 
and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. So Peter is about to speak something very profound right now. Very profound to say the least. He's about to let them know the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Right? And all of this ties into what I was telling you a few moments ago as we were looking at Revelation. And that is is that God does not want anyone to go through the great tribulation. And he has indeed provided a way for everyone to escape that great day of judgment that is to come upon the earth that we've been studying. Okay, And what is that way of escape? Well, let's read on. Peter says, For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. Now, let me just comment on that verse right there because something just pops into my mind. You see, a lot of people today think, Oh, those Christians are weird. They believe Jesus is going to come back at any time. They they do this. They do that. They're, They're weird. And this is what was taking place from the very beginning with these Christians. Oh, they're drunk. Something something strange about them. Now, here's the problem, though, with Christianity today, in a way. Sometimes we don't look all that strange. Sometimes we look just like the rest of the world. Our churches parallel what goes on in the world in many, in many ways, right? They're looking for entertainment. They're looking for all of this other stuff within our churches when we're supposed to be strangers. So because these Christians here, first filled with the Holy Spirit, were strange, everybody said, They're drunk, but no, they were under the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? In verse 16, Peter Peter goes on and says, but this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in the last days, says God, that I will pour out of my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor of smoke. Now, wait a minute here. Peter says that there will be wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath blood and fire and vapor and smoke. Well, we've seen some of those things in Revelation, haven't we? There was hail mixed with blood. There was a great fireball that destroyed grass and and trees and such. And when the bottomless pit was open, there was a vapor of smoke that came up and darkened the sky, has covered the sky, right? So you see, the end times, the last days, really began on the day of Pentecost. That's when the last days began began. And we've been living in those last days ever since that time. The tribulation is part of the last days that is still yet to come. But God has poured out his spirit in the last days. And what happened when God's spirit got poured out upon people on the earth? Well, what happened was what Jesus said in Acts chapter 1 verse 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But what did he say the reason was for that power? 
Was it so that we could get goosebumps? So that we could have good praise and worship concerts and such? No, we, we had this Holy Spirit poured out upon us so that we could become witnesses to Jesus Christ. That's why the Holy Spirit was poured out, okay? So, so the tribulation part is yet to come, but the Spirit of God has been poured out upon all flesh and the gospel still goes forth today. And it's the only way. It's the only way that people have to escape the great tribulation. But Peter speaks the facts that all the, thing, the, all the things that happened on the day of Pentecost was the beginning of the end. God in his mercy right now, he is tarrying. Why does the Lord tarry? Is he slack? First Peter says, right? Is he slack concerning his promise? No, he's not slack concerning his promise. He's just not willing that any would perish. He's wanting all to come to repentance. So God's tearing, okay? And Peter continues on here in verse 20. He says, the sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the coming of the great and awesome day of the Lord. And it shall come to pass that whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's where we're living right now. We're living in that period of time right now where anyone can come to the Lord and be saved, right? But you remember the scripture that says, but how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they teach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. I just quoted to you Romans 10, verses 14 and 15, okay? But we have a role to play today in the kingdom of God. Either we are to preach the gospel or we are to support those who do, right? You can also play a role by bringing people to the place where they can hear the gospel, they can hear the teaching, of the word of God. The word of God is being taught all over the place, okay? And many, many places to point people to or to bring them to places like this to hear the gospel, okay? Because this is their only way to escape. Otherwise, everything we're studying in Revelation, those people could go through because they could still be here. So Peter goes on, let's, let's read on. Men of Israel, verse 22, men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves also know, him being delivered by the determined purpose and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands and crucified and put to death, whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. For David says concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is at my right hand, that I may not be shaken. Therefore my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. Moreover, my flesh also will rest in hope. For you will not leave my soul in Hades, nor will you allow your Holy One to see corruption. You have made known to me the ways of life. You will make me full of joy in your presence. Men and brethren, let me speak freely to you. 
of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried. His tomb is with us today. Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that of the fruit of his body, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Christ to sit on his throne. He foreseeing this spoke concerning the resurrection of the Christ that his soul was not left in Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. This Jesus God raised up of which we are all witnesses. Therefore, being exalted to the right hand of God and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, he poured out this which you see and hear. You see, the same thing exists for us today, folks. People say, what is this that's going on? Why do you live like this? Why do you place your faith in Jesus Christ? Why do you stand upon the word of God? What's going on? And we explain to them Jesus, just like Peter did here with everybody. These are not drunk. They look strange to you. But Peter's explaining this is what is happening. Okay? People need to hear this same message today. This is what has happened. This is what Jesus has done. This is how we escape the great tribulation. This is how we get to heaven. Okay? Not all roads lead to heaven. Verse 34, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but he says himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter, and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? So you see, people today need to hear the truth about Jesus Christ and need to hear that their sin crucified Jesus Christ. And it needs to cut them to the heart, right? In other words, it needs to impact them greatly so that it leads them to repentance, In verse 38, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what do we see there? Repentance is the first step. This is how we will escape the coming judgment, the great tribulation. They will escape by repenting of their sins, turning from their lifestyle that is not pleasing to God. Then they get baptized as an expression of this commitment and then they receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now, this wasn't just for the people that Peter was speaking to right then and there, was it? He wasn't only speaking to them. Well, look at verse 39. He says, for the promises to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as will call, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words, he testified and exhorted them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So that's the way someone escapes the great tribulation. And that's the gospel message. Come out of the world. Come out of this perverse generation. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Live in a different way. Don't live like the rest of the world. Okay? Make them think you're strange. Make them think you're drunk. 
<laughs> drunk on the Lord, filled with his spirit. Something's different about you, right? This is the way. Let's finish out the chapter, verse 41. Then those who gladly received his word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Isn't it amazing that we don't see this kind of movement today? But I believe we don't see this kind of movement today because we don't preach this kind of gospel. We don't preach that kind of gospel that cuts people to the heart and causes them to repent and to come to the Lord and be filled with the Spirit. And verse 42 says, and they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship. So they were cut to the heart. They were filled with the Spirit. They were all made new. And what did they do? They stayed in the Word, right? And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in the breaking of bread and in prayers. Then came fear upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. So this great movement, people were accepting the Lord. They were living differently. They were being changed. And what happened? Fear came upon every other soul. Reverence. They're like, what is it that you have? Tell me, give me a reason for this hope that lies within you. This is how the early church lived. And we're still living in the, the last days where it's the church age. We're still living in that time where people are to come to the Lord. Now all, verse 44, now all who believed were together and had all things in common, sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. So as we turn back now, to Revelation chapter 9. We're going to get back to the topic of these unsaved people. Those people that will not be saved from this perverse generation. Those people that will not repent and will not turn to the Lord. They will be on the earth during that great tribulation. And verse 6 of, Re of Revelation chapter 9 Verse six says of those people, in those days, men will seek death and will not find it. They will desire to die and death will flee from them. The shape of the locust was like horses prepared for battle. On their heads were crowns of something like gold and their faces were like the faces of men. They had hair like woman's hair and their teeth were like lion's teeth. And they had breastplates like breastplates of iron. And the sound of their wings was like the sound of chariots with many horses running into battle. They had tails like scorpions and, they, and there were stings in their tails. Their power was to hurt men five months. And they had as king over them the angel of the bottomless pit whose name in Hebrew is Abaddon, but in the Greek it's Apollyon. So this is what, again, this is what awaits the unsaved. A great tribulation indeed. Again, there's a lot of symbolism in this book and how all of this pans out is at this point in time not really clearly seen. But it will indeed be a horrific time to say the least and you don't want to be here during that time. 
The one ruling from behind the scenes as this is going on, the bottomless pit has been opened up and all of this has began to take place. And the one that's ruling behind the scenes as it pertains to these locusts is Satan himself. You see, Abaddon means destruction and the name Apollyon means destroyer. Well, who is the king of destruction? Who is the one that torments, right? It is Satan. The bottomless pit has been opened and Satan is at work, but his day of judgment is coming as well. And again, like I said, all hell is breaking loose on the earth at this point. The earth is no place to be during this time. That's why today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for people to get right with God. And this is the time for you and me to take the gospel of Jesus Christ seriously, right? To live it out, to keep the commandments of the Lord. But it's also time for us to take the gospel to the people around us. Think about your loved ones, your your coworkers, your friends that are unsaved, right? They have torment in their future if they don't repent. And, And we know the truth So we must first live out that truth, then we must share that truth with others so that they may have a way to escape the torment of hell. So again, we're seeing a lot of symbolism in this book, right? We're, you know, and and some, some want to literally believe again that these locusts are literal and they're coming on the earth and this is going to happen. But I believe there's a a lot still to pan out in all of this. And again, like I said in the beginning, we know so very little. We know what the Lord allows us to see. And day by day, I believe as we study the word and as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of him, he opens our eyes to certain things. But little by little, that's what we are to do is to keep growing in the Lord. And as we're reading here, there is still more destruction to come. And verse 12 says, one woe is past. Behold, still two more woes are coming after these things. So it's horrible. It's horrific. There's going to be torment. And this earth will be no place to be during the time of the great tribulation. But there's only one way to escape. There's only one name given under heaven whereby people can be saved, okay? And I believe that as we continue as believers in Jesus Christ to walk through this life, we see things increasingly getting more and more wicked. We see the laws of our own nation here, the United States of America, changing, turning against the word of God more and more. We see good being called evil, in other words, the way Christians live is, is being looked at and as evil and laughed at. And many Christians are caving in and becoming like the world. Even our churches have caved in and become a lot like the world, right, in the things that we're doing. But as we've seen, as we saw today in the book of Acts, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, we're to come out of the world, we're to be separate. And Jesus said, don't be We're to be in the world, of course, but not to be of the world. So we are to live in accordance with the commandments of God. 
right? So again, I'm pointing, I'm, I'm, you know, what's I'm beating a dead horse, whatever the term is on on this thing here, to say how important it is that we share the gospel, how important it is that we first live the gospel, okay? Because then we will have the power of God come upon us to be witnesses for Jesus Christ when we are cut to the hearts ourselves and we shun the world and we turn away from it, right? Not shun it in a way where we don't live in it. We're in it. Remember, we're supposed to be in it. We get up, we go to work, we, we, we mingle with people, but we share the love of Jesus Christ with them because this time that is coming upon the earth awaits our future relatives. You know, who knows the time frame? If it's 50 years from now, if it's 100 years from now, who knows the time frame? But it is coming, and we know we are living in the last days. And each one of us in this room has had an experience with Jesus Christ in our lives. And we've given our lives to him. But it's easy sometimes to just wander from that and get off track. So be exhorted today. My hope is to exhort us all today, myself included, to live the word of God and to share the love of God with people around us, knowing what's at stake, knowing that the great tribulation lies ahead and a horrific time awaits. Let's pray. Lord God, again, we thank you. We thank you for your word. Lord, your word that pricks us to our hearts, Lord, your word that that has the power to instruct us, has the power to rebuke, correct, give us instruction in righteousness. So Lord, when we come before your word, Lord, it, it, it lays open our own hearts, Lord, and allows us to see the areas where we need to grow. Lord, we need to grow in the knowledge of you, but we also need to grow in obedience Lord, sometimes it's easy just to sit back and, and wait for change to happen rather than repenting and making change happen. So I pray, Lord, that as we close out a year, another year of studying through your word, Lord, and as we approach a new year, Lord, that you know, maybe this is a good time, Lord, for repentance in areas of our own life, Lord. Maybe this is a, a good time for us to to further our commitment to you. To come back to the place of our first love as we've seen as we've studied in Revelation. Lord, to do the works that we did when we first got saved. Lord, to take your word seriously. Lord, to take fellowship seriously. Lord, to, to be committed to, to gather around your word and to be in your word. But Lord, again, Lord, more importantly, Lord, that we would live it out that we would be people of love, Lord, that are known for the truth of your word, people that others may even look at and say, are you drunk? Are you high on something? What's up with you? And we just tell them about Jesus Christ, about you, Lord. So to you be the glory for this year, to you be the glory for the coming year. We just pray your will to be done in our lives and in the lives of our families, Lord, those that surround us, Lord those that we can impact. We pray that you'd pour out your spirit upon us, Lord, that we would be your witnesses. We thank you for this time and your word today. In Jesus' name.
Amen.